Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Seven things you don't really need to know or probably should. I'm Kira Revan and this, this is the Sunday 7. On today's episode of the Sunday 7, we uncover micrometeorites, learn how AI is powering a bionic arm, warn you about tiger mosquitoes, and dive into the DMA with Will Guyatt as big tech gets checked by the European Union. But first, on this day in 1984, DNA fingerprinting was discovered by Alex Jeffries in Leicester in England. He realised while studying x-rays that each individual had a unique DNA profile which could be used to identify them. The discovery was accidental as he was trying to work out if it was possible to trace genetic markers and families for indications of hereditary illness. The first use of DNA evidence in a criminal trial was in 1986 and proved the suspect innocent. Big tech has had an enormous impact on human life in the last 20 years, from the society-bending phenomenon of Facebook and social media to the vast power of Alphabet and its companies from Google to YouTube. But after a long-running battle with regulators and data protection, it seems as if big tech might finally be hauled into a more compliant state by the European Union. It's all down to the DMA. That's the Digital Markets Act, and it's the European Union's attempt to reshape business on the internet and on mobile. It's been called one of the toughest pieces of legislation ever enacted. It identifies six initial gatekeepers and they are Meta, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple and TikTok owner ByteDance. We asked our Smart 7's tech guru Will Guyatt to give us the inside track on DMA. So Will, what's it all about? This is essentially the start of governments starting to try and get their control over tech companies. So this is the EU. They've identified these six gatekeepers and you've got all of essentially the big names in tech. And they've all now essentially got six months to comply to a really complex set of rules from the EU, which essentially suggests that they can't stifle competition in the market. Will it really rain in big tech? I think big tech are quite cheesed off at the moment. Lots of them are even suggesting that they shouldn't even be recognised and verified as gatekeepers. The, the reality is, though, the mood music has been like this for a long time. Tech companies in the minds of governments have been getting away with lots of things for a long time. And this is this attempt to try and take control back. In uh, Europe as well, so there's now actually uh, a class action started as part of this, where they're suggesting that iMessage, the service on your iPhone, phone is anti-competitive so if you use iMessage the EU is suggesting there should be alternatives bundled with the device so you don't get pushed onto Apple's text messaging service there's some pretty far-reaching stuff in here so what are the implications of this what's likely to happen so I think these tech companies, if they want to stay operational in the EU, are going to have to start performing some of these acts, they're going to have to start cleaning up their, their kind of services, they're going to have to take down content when governments request it, they're going to have to be kind of more engaged and involved with government agencies, which is something tech companies have always not wanted to do. This is about bringing them to the table. I presume Elon is either relieved or furious. Yeah, Elon currently doesn't count as big enough to be a gatekeeper, so that goes to tell you that the EU does not consider X or Twitter or whatever you call it as a major force currently in social media. 
We've all seen the dramatic footage of the sky lighting up as a meteorite flashes through the atmosphere and we're all well aware of the risk that a planet-killing, or at least dinosaur-killing, asteroid could bump into Earth at some point in the future. But what about the space material at the other end of the scale? I'm talking about micrometeorites. And where would you find micrometeorites? Well, on the roofs of cathedrals, of course. We got up with Dr Matthias van Ginken. He's a cosmic dust researcher and he was out with his vacuum cleaner on the roof of Rochester Cathedral. The micrometeorites from roofs usually are very fresh, so you get all the information you need. It's like they fell yesterday. So to me, it's always very surprising to see how fresh they are, because the fresher, the better, the more information you have. Why cathedral roofs? Well, a lot of them date back hundreds of years and the material is relatively untouched. But how do you know when it's cosmic dust and when it's just, well, dust? Well, we look for this specific shape, spherical shape. So as the dust particles go through the atmosphere, they go very, very fast, heat up and melt to become spherical like this. So we look for these tiny, tiny little spheres that are often very dark as well. Well, the main objective is to come up with numbers, to calculate, to measure the number of particles on each roof, extrapolate, and to calculate how many micrometeorites come to Earth every year. Dr. Penny Wozniakwajic is another cosmic dust researcher, and she explains that the fact that some of the material is older than our solar system is what makes the dust so fascinating. All of the particles that arrive, we think, on the Earth's surface come from the asteroids. So the asteroids, uh, these are typically found on orbits around the Sun between the orbits of Mars and the orbits of Jupiter. And um, so those objects, some of them, are thought to be really old. Still to come on the Sunday 7, Paris gets even cooler and watch out, that could be a tiger mosquito. Paris is gearing up for the Olympic Games next summer. They've been investing in cleaning up the River Seine in the hopes of holding events in it, but it's been a struggle. They're planning to spend over a billion euro on the cleanup, but have had to cancel a couple of triathlon events this summer as the water still isn't clean enough. But the Seine is also at the centre of a fascinating new development in an urban cooling system that can provide air conditioning, but a fraction of the carbon cost. The intention is to provide a single centralised source of cooling for Olympic venues, but also for factories, hospitals and housing, with the intention that a single collective environmentally sensitive system could replace hundreds of carbon inefficient individual units. Rafael Neral is a gloriously titled Secretary of Freshness for Paris. If we manage to develop such a network of urban cooling, instead of standalone air conditioning, we could really manage to control the level of air conditioning carbon emissions in Paris. Emissions related to producing coal in the world are going to rise anyhow, so if we choose collective solutions that are resilient and efficient, the coal balance will keep growing slightly, because demand will increase, but it will be very restrained compared to a situation where everyone has their own equipment, and it's everyone for themselves. We all hate the high-pitched whine late at night that tells you a mosquito is somewhere loose in your room. Mosquitoes are bad enough, they kill almost a million people a year, making them the world's most deadly animal. But now a new species of mosquito has been spotted in the UK and it carries some seriously nasty diseases, including dengue fever and Zika virus. They're called tiger mosquitoes and Jolion Medlock, the head of medical entomology at the UK Health and Safety Authority, has been out hunting them in the Kent marshes. We found the mosquito on six occasions 
and they've all been in the southeast of England. With climate change, and as, as the summers warm and the seasons uh, lengthen, uh, then it becomes more suitable. Every time these mosquitoes come into the country, there is a bit greater potential for those mosquitoes to establish because it's a warmer climate. So just how bad are these mosquitoes? Dr Oliver Brady, Associate Professor at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, says they're pretty worrying and they're here to stay. They're all acute diseases that are rarely fatal but can be very, very severe um, and lead to prolonged hospital stays. If we were to cycle back five or ten years, we would have thought Zika was just a minor disease. And because these mosquitoes are spread across such broad parts of the world, what were historically minor diseases now have the potential to, for, to be pandemics. Still to come on the Sunday 7, the bionic arm controlled by AI, and we're going to need a bigger boat. Right after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. not be aware of this, but there's a global sand shortage. Sand is not just for your beach holidays, it's also an essential element for construction and as the world's cities expand, it's an increasingly short supply. One solution has been to dredge marine sand, but now the United Nations Environment Programme is sounding the alarm that this method is causing serious damage to ocean ecosystems. With 6 billion tonnes of sand being dredged by specialised vessels, Pascal Padusi is the director of the Global Resources Information Database at the UNEP and he says the process is basically sterilising the ocean floor. Impact on the on the fishes are tremendous. They are the fact that you are removing all the the bottom of the sea and it's changing. There is no more life there. The life needs to come back, so you need to allow time to come back. If you don't take all the sand, uh, if you leave like 50, 60 centimeters of sand, life can come come back. But if you are taking all the sand to the bare rock then you, it's a different status and the life may not recover. The UN has now created a programme called Marine Sandwatch, which uses marine tracking and AI to monitor activity. Arnold van der Valpen, Sand Industry and Data Analytics Officer with the UNEP, explains the intention is to get better data on what's happening under the sea. Professor for UNEP to Geneva. And um, going back to the platform, so the platform is first and foremost a capacity building tool to provide data and transparency to all stakeholders. Um, it is, it's still a very hard task for many countries to monitor their exclusive economical zone and we, we hope that this platform is going to make a real difference for those countries. And in this respect, UNEP also invites all stakeholders to the table to discuss better policies, environmental standards and best practices.
Sarah Delagarde had an extraordinary brush with death back in 2022 when she slipped on a train platform and was run over by not one but two tube trains. She survived but lost an arm and a leg. She's turned things around though and has now become the world's first AI-powered bionic woman. She's got a robot arm that can read instructions from her mind and follow her commands, so much so that she describes herself as 80% human and 20% robot. And she popped up on Good Morning Britain to explain how it all works. The beauty of it is that I, I can think of a movement and the socket is full of electrodes that read muscle movement. And if I twitch my muscles in a sequence, then it translates into a movement. So I think about opening up my hand, it opens up. Wow. If I think about closing my it's hand, it closes. Incredible. It is a combination of thinking, acting, and then translating into these impulses that allow me to make those movements. You know, the reason why I'm happy to talk about it so much is because I feel that there isn't a lot of um, understanding about how it works and how far the technology has come. And I'm, I'm, you know, part of me is still dealing with the loss of limbs, which obviously is is terrible. But the other part of me is really excited about discovering all of these technologies, this innovation. I think that's really exciting in a way because. I mean, at the moment, it's trying to replace what I've lost, but the idea is that perhaps at some point it will enhance what I have. Orcas have been getting headlines worldwide for attacking boats around Spain, but this week saw another shark attack drama, this time off the coast of Australia. The culprit, though, was not orcas. Instead, this time, it's so-called cookie-cutter sharks who leave incredibly precise bite marks. The cookie-cutter shark, also known as a cigar shark, is quite small, only about half a metre long, but it's famous for attacking larger prey. In this case, the bites to the inflatable hull of the catamaran could have led to disaster for the three men on board. Joe Zeller is from the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, and he says that it's fortunate the vessel was carrying an emergency beacon. There's many reasons that vessels are attacked by sharks. However, the, the motivations of these sharks is, is unclear. The emergency beacon absolutely saved their life. It enabled the Rescue Coordination Centre to identify their precise location and tailor the most appropriate and quickest response to rescue them. Evgeny Kovaleski was one of the sailors rescued from the Coral Sea. He and two colleagues were attempting to beat a world record in their inflatable. He says it was a pretty scary event. This is uh, a Guinness record, first time in the world, around the world, trip by inflatable boat. There are many, maybe, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe more, but some of them jump and bite above the double material. And they believe that we are not inflatable catamaran, but we are big whale, because vibration is the same, and our inflatable catamaran going around the world. Oh, two hours we waited, after May Day, two, two, three hours, and we just we were rescued. This has been the Sunday 7. However you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with a regular Smart 7 Ireland edition. Have a great rest of the weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colours, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.